Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This is what you find out about the Nobel Prize for Physics for 2016. Now, you don't often expect a bunch of mathematicians to win the Nobel Prize for Physics, but that's exactly what happened this year in 2016. And what they discovered actually has some great implications for fundamental properties of various superconductors. Now, when we think about physics, we often consider some of the biggest questions in the universe, and a lot of people would have anticipated that the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2016 would have gone to the discoveries at LIGO of gravitational waves. Unfortunately, that just missed the cutoff occurring in February after the January cutoff for this year's consideration. Instead, the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2016 went to a more esoteric topic, actually one that's more mathematical than physics, and it was awarded to three laureates, Nobel laureates in physics, David J. Thoulis of the University of Washington, F. Duncan and M. Halladine of Princeton University, and J. Michael Kolstlitz of Brown University. And basically, what they've been awarded the prize for is very unusual states of matter, particularly around the properties and theoretical properties of super-thin films and why they give particles and objects really weird properties in those states of matter. But basically, they didn't approach this from a physics and a scientific perspective. They approached it from a mathematic and topological perspective. So what is topology? Now, you might hear topology being thrown around as a term a lot when it comes to maps or maybe just looking at data in a visual format in multiple dimensions. Maybe when you think about 3D modeling or CAD drawings, topology can come into it. But really, whilst it's the study of the shapes and how things are formed out of points and the properties of those shapes, one of the big challenges and parts of topology is what happens when you change, I guess, the overall fundamental properties of an object by introducing or bending or changing the shape. Now, there's a joke in mathematics, which goes like this. Um, Why was the topologist always hungry? Well, that's because he has a lot of trouble telling his donut apart from his mug. And any reasonable human being says that's absurd. But to a topologist that says, no, actually, they're very, very similar. In fact, they're the same. This is where topology gets weird. So if you think about just a box, right? There's no holes in a box. If you morph it, flatten, squash it out, there's still no holes in that box. So let's say we then squashed that box a little bit, deformed it, squeezed it, and made it look like a mug. We'd also have to sort of squeeze out a little bit of a part for it, for a handle. Still at this point, we still have one box. There are no holes in this shape, no matter what we look at it. Now if we poke a hole so you can put your fingers through it to grab the handle of the mug, Now, this shape goes from having no holes, even though it's got a little concavity where we can pour our liquid in, it goes from no holes to having one hole where we can grab the handle. 
Now, do you know what else has one hole? A donut. And for that reason, a mug with a little handle has the same topological properties as a donut. Now, if you wanted to squeeze and mold this shape a bit more and bend out long segments and then poke out two little middle parts, we could make a pair of glasses, which has two holes. Let's ignore the lenses for a second, but two holes where the lenses go. And if we wanted to uh, squeeze and mold and flatten out this shape again more and have and then poke three holes in it, we'd end up with like a pretzel or some other type of uh, bread or object that has lots of holes cut into it. And basically this is how it works. Topologists like to define fundamentally an object based on the number of holes and the number of surfaces an object has. When you just have a box, it's got one continuous surface. When we poke a hole in it, there is then two surfaces, right? The outside and the inside of this little area there. And this continues and continues when you add more and more surfaces. And this is really, really cool, but mostly, for the most part, nice thought experiments for mathematics. Why these mathematicians awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics is because they related these basic principles back to some really important questions about what happens to matter in unusual states of being, and related that back to these strange topological properties of these fundamental shapes. Now most of the universe around us is governed by big, what we call classical mechanics in physics. Things that move, you may have heard of, uh, for example, the laws of constant acceleration or F equals MA, things like that, classical mechanics devised by Newton. When we start getting down to the really small though, we start going to the weird world of quantum mechanics where particles behave like waves and particles simultaneously. And this leads to all kinds of weird properties. In the quantum world, strange stuff happens, like things being in two places at once, kinder, or having a probabilistic existence rather than a specific defined location, such as Schrodinger's cat. But the really fascinating parts of chemistry and physics occur in these quantum states, such as when you get really, really close to zero, absolute zero I'm talking, negative 273 degrees Celsius or zero Kelvin, Particles and objects begin to act in really, really weird ways. For example, some materials become superconductors, which means that instead of just sort of conducting electricity or any other thing in a small, normal way like your wires do or so on, in a super chilled state, they, cr they actually improve their performance. And we can see this with often with magnetics because you can chill down a superconducting supermagnet and it acts like a normal magnet and repels things and sticks together like you expect a magnet to do. But when you superchill it and it becomes superconducting, it can basically make things levitate. Now, it requires a lot of energy to do that, but it's really, really cool when it happens. So there's all these weird properties that occur when we get down to a super cold or super unusual state. Now, we also understand materials have different states of being. You might be familiar with solid, liquid, gas. If you want to think about it from terms of water, water exists as an ice cube, then it melts into a liquid, and then it evaporates into steam as a gas. There's also a couple of like fourth or fifth states of matter where like you have a plasma, which is a super hot, um, basically liquid but gaseous type of matter. And there's a whole bunch of other different states too. 
And it turns out when you go into the quantum world, properties get even weirder, especially when you get into shapes and planes of existence that go from being, well, normally what we expect things to be three-dimensional, like when we describe any object that we have. Sometimes they can get to basically being two-dimensional or even one-dimensional. And it's in this really weird, quirky area of physical properties interlapping with mechanics and mathematics is why the Nobel Prize is awarded. So one of the areas that was really, really fascinating for these researchers, particularly when they were doing their research together in the 1970s in Great Britain, they were studying, well, what happens when we take, for example, a gas like helium and we make it into a really, really thin film, just maybe one molecule or atom high, right? And basically you have a flat plane or maybe a very small plane of this helium gas how does it actually change state how does it go from solid to gas or to liquid and when it does change these states then how does the properties change right so what they were trying to do is understand what was going on at these transition points and you know at the time when they were studying and playing around with this when the science the maths of the science said that if you you know took this thin string of gas and made it near absolute zero electrical resistance would disappear basically making it a superconductor and physicists said whoa that's crazy that can't be real but turns out it is and that's what we've been playing around with but there wasn't wasn't a really good explanation for why that happened you know there's if you think about it superconductivity with no resistance for electricity means everything is super smooth and super flat but there's always some disorder it's just a fact of life and the universe and that's what scientists sort of why they thought it was impossible in the first place so what ends up happening in these thin films of helium gas when they were experimenting with is that at very, very low temperatures, the small disturbances, which they called vortices, they actually stayed very tightly together in sort of counteracting opposing directions, sort of spiraling against each other, but together. And it goes through a certain point once you reach a certain temperature, which they call the topological phase transition. As the temperature increases, these little vortices then suddenly move apart and it's interesting part about what happens when they move apart is that they separate. They go from being a joined pair of boats, for example, to two separate boats sailing across this flat sea of the gas, taking with it all kinds of instability. Interestingly, when this happens, when their vortices sort of spiraling stuck together, they are have two holes. That is one on the top, one on the bottom. It's a through hole, right? Which have two openings. When you move them apart, they basically just become small ripples and disturbances, single holes. And that is a topological-logical problem. And that explains why this particular threshold works. And more importantly, it's universal. This KT threshold, actually, which is named after the two discoverers, Kostelitz and Thules, which basically is based around this whole idea and the, how these sort of transition points occur is governed by what at the end of the day is the difference between a pair of glasses and a donut two holes instead of one but it turns out that's not the only thing topology can help with 
Later, by working together with some other researchers, Dulles actually looked at the quantum hole effect. Basically, if you put a magnet perpendicular to an electric current, the voltage will change, which is normally the hole effect, right? Now, the quantum hole effect is similar, except the voltage change can only happen in like distinct steps, quantums. The explanation for this actually just comes back to a simple case of topology, which we made it all very simple in terms of its definition, just acting in a different type of shape with fundamental properties. That's why you ended up with these discrete step levels. Same methods were applied by Haldane, who showed that chains of atomic magnets basically do a similar thing, and they their behavior is really just defined by the fundamental topological properties of the shape. And this is really where it's startling, right? And the reason why they looked for mathematics is because there was always this weird thing that was happening. If you reduce the strength of a man magnetic field applied to a chilled semiconductor layered sandwich, the 2D sheets of electrical conductance basically snap up in precise multiples, whole number multiples of itself. Not 2.5, multiples. That That's really weird. Like, often the universe isn't that specific. And that's because there's these fundamental topological properties underlying it all. Mathematics is esoteric, even amongst mathematicians. Like, topologies is always one of those areas of mathematics that can get laughed at by everybody else. And it does sound pretty complex and nerdy. But the implications of this, particularly in material science, are great. Because you can make things, materials, with properties that behave in really, really controllable ways. For example, you can make a topological insulator, which are objects that only conduct electricity on the surface, not on the inside. And, you know, that, that's really cool because it's a lot more efficient, but also it means that you have a really good insulating body there where you can protect yourself from the electric current being applied, which may be useful for other applications. And that's really, really central for something like making a quantum computer, a super powerful, super fast computer. You can make an insulator, for example, which they've developed called stainine. And it's basically a one layer thick, a one atom thick layer of tin, which can conduct electricity at crazy high temperatures with little resistance, almost no resistance. And what that would mean for, say, computers, is it just speeds up the time of everything. Because at the moment, one of the constraints for what we do is that it still takes time for electricity to flow from point A to point B. The more resistance we get out of the way, the faster that flow is. The faster that flow is, the faster our computers, phones, what you name it, are. And that is pretty amazing. So whilst it may not be as earth-shattering as the discoveries of gravitational waves, this goes a long way to show that some really complicated and strange mathematics can really change and improve our lives. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. 
This week we found out about how the mathematical area of topology helped us understand superconductors and can help us improve our materials in things like computers. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.